Hello and welcome to the AF Mentors podcast. This podcast is aims to help excellent coaches grow excellent businesses. I'm not going to make this intro long. If you're interested in mentoring, head to afmentors.com. If not, enjoy this episode. Why not? Hello and welcome to the AF Mentors podcast. Today I have Shah with me. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for giving me your time. I'm very excited for this and the reason I wanted you on is because we always have really interesting chats and I'm always like I kind of wish we were talking about this on a podcast. So there are a load of things that I want to talk to you about but I've written a couple down and mainly because this is top of my mind something that we were discussing this week over messages was I guess broadly about being like really content where you are and not always pushing for more clients and this is actually a direct quote from you but I think I can't remember the exact context but you said I think the middle ground between not feeling like you're in financial scarcity but also not having this huge mega business is really underrated Um, exactly as we were saying for me personally it's giving me space to lean into other areas exactly why business mentors should be aligning with what their mentees or coaches or whatever you want to call them um, see as success not just them and I thought like I'm going to give you a chance to talk through that and I guess like where you are and I do think you're right in that that middle ground is really underrated yeah so I think that kind of came from a place like we we, were chatting about it and I think probably prior to AFM and even for the first few months of me trying to think like right okay how can I scale how can I get more clients and that was always the focus and then the past couple of months I've really just sat here and thought like you know we talk a lot about like what does success mean for us and being able to define that and I was like hold on a minute like I am happy and actually do I want to do more one-to-one or do you know to scale or to bring other coaches on like is that what I want or am I doing that because that's the done thing and I think a lot of I, I and I'm you know I put my hands up I've got drawn into this of like you know you see business mentors that use financial metrics being like oh Johnny came to us uh, he was doing all right he was earning four or five grand but now he earns ten it's like four or five grand's a good salary like you get drawn into this like oh, I should be doing better I should be doing more um and then I just took a bit of a step back and was like, actually, I'm really happy with where I am. And for me, scaling will come from me leaning into other areas. Like I've said to you, like, I really enjoy public speaking. I really enjoy writing. I've got an English degree. Like, I enjoy writing and blogging and stuff. So for me now, if I think about scaling, it's to move into those areas and how can I maybe, I don't know, down the line monetize them, but just enjoy having time to do them again. And actually, that's massive. It's not always about what can I monetize, but it's like, how do I want to live my life? If I get to monetize that down the line, like fantastic. But that's a different type of success is to actually have that time back. Um, And I think time back to use it how you want to use it. And then interestingly, when you look at a lot of people who have done incredibly well, like first person that comes to my head is like Seth, Seth Godin. Like he really just started writing a blog because he loved writing a blog. And there was no reason behind it. It wasn't like, I want to do this. So at some point I can start selling this. But a lot of the time following your passion, especially when you've got an income somewhere else as well and being like, I really just want to write for the moment. I'm just going to write because I like writing. I'm not going to worry too much if that's bringing in leads or not. And having the luxury to do that because you do have a successful business, but not, as you're saying, always feeling like 
I need to have more and more and more. And as you were talking about whatever Johnny who came at 4K and now he's earning 10K, I wonder, and this certainly isn't always the case, but what does your life look like at 10K for a lot of people? And sometimes it's done very well and there's still great life balance, right? But sometimes people give up a lot for this extra money of which a lot goes on to tax as well. But like, anyway, for this extra money that maybe isn't worth it for other people or maybe and often you don't realize it until you've got to that point yeah and I think that's also like you know we talk about it as I think we've said it to like coach on FM before and been like have you had a coach like because it'll teach you either what you want to do or what you don't want to do and I definitely learned that from coaches I do have around me or that I know that maybe I've got 151 to one clients like but I know what their life looks like and they are glued to that laptop and they have about four hours sleep and that's not what I that's not what success is for me. And I also, with the type of work that I do with clients, I, I want to be able to give them my time. I want to do meaningful work with a set amount of clients and then be able to recharge and be my best for them. So it's like you say, it's what actually is the trade-off for that financial gain. Um, you know, something we spoke about as well of like, when do you know that what you want in life is covered? Like, you know, I am happy. I've got the things I want. Will making more money actually make me happier or actually is this a bit of a zone now where I'm like well actually I'm good and now I'm going to get more fulfillment from doing the things rather than just earning more money yeah Uh, I think so two things come to mind here um one is that like proverb about I can't even remember the full context but it's like some rich man meets some other rich man and is talking about how much money he made last week and someone else says, yeah, but I, this is the worst explanation. That I've ever <laughs> Basically, someone else is like talking about how much money this person made. And then another person in the conversation is like, I have something that he'll never have. And he's like, what's that? Enough. And I think that's a good point is that for a lot of people, no matter where they are, no matter how much money they earn or how many clients they have, it will never be enough. They're always looking for more and they're never content. And you can be content and still strive for more. And it might look like more money. It might look like more clients. It might look like more time to do your passions, like what you're doing. And that can look different for everyone. We're certainly not saying like having financial goals is a bad thing. But I think knowing when enough and like appreciating what you have is really important as well. Yeah, definitely. And then I think as well, like, like you said, knowing your idea of success, like we're not we're not saying like financial goals aren't a thing like obviously what we all want to make money like we're not saying like that's not part of why we build businesses or whatever but knowing what does actually make you happier if you're following a model that is just sort of pre-made um and definitely like you know if you like you said about people that start blogs for the fun of it like you know if you think of the biggest podcasts in the country you know chris um stephen bartlett they all just started that in their room and now look at like what they're doing. Like there was never this intention, like, right, this is how I'm going to scale this massive thing. It comes from passion. And if I look at anything I've done in my life, it's come from passion. Like, yeah. you, like it's something you say all the time, like you will effortlessly outwork people if you're passionate and you can't teach that. Like that has to come from within you and very much something that me and Danny are doing with the flourishing competitor as well. Like that started as a passion project. And now we're like, okay, cool. Like, is there an avenue we can take this now into coaching? And we've organically kind of just let it unfold for a bit rather than forcing it um but it started at a place of like right I'm passionate about this I'm going to put some time into it let's see where it goes mm-hmm. yeah I mean I don't know the background of the Stephen Bartlett pod- uh, podcast but I know that Chris 
like started making no money from doing it whatsoever and not even like I mean I don't make money directly from the podcast but it realistically is the funnel into my coaching business so yes I do make money from the podcast but he didn't even have like a funnel into it it was just like I'm going to get on really cool people and talk to them and learn a lot and like that that was it like because he was passionate about doing that so it is amazing to see how that's grown um and then the other thing that I feel like this kind of links into weirdly or maybe it's just how my head works is a conversation we were just having on the AFM Facebook page about keeping fat loss interesting and we kind of gave the same answer of do you know what once someone's basically this was a client who or someone's client who had lost fat and then been like it kind of feels a bit samey now like what can I do to make it harder or different or better and when it comes to fat loss I think this is often when people get a bit disordered with things like they take it too far and they're like I've got a good diet how can I make it perfect and actually when you try and make things perfect like that's often when you get kind of like orthorexic type tendencies and it's kind of similar to like okay I've made enough money now what like now do I just make more and more and more and more and more same with what we see when like people are successful with fat loss and then they're like oh I'll just keep going and going and going and going it's like no actually you know like too much of a good thing is no longer a good thing and and it can lead you down a path that might not be fruitful and like you were saying money is important like we all need to make a decent amount of money but after a certain point like what's the point making more unless it's almost like a byproduct of doing what you love doing or you're like I really want to help more people great so you're figuring out how to take on more clients or to expand or to do group coaching or to take on coaches or whatever that might look like for you but it's less so driven by the money and I certainly found that when I started looking more and more at numbers like I didn't enjoy what I did as much and and now I don't look at any numbers I have Kimberly send me a spreadsheet at the end of the month. I look at it for about 10 minutes. I'm like, great, this is cool. Yes, you're okay to pay the coaches. That all looks fine. And then we speak next month. Like, that's it. And then I never have to look at that stuff. And it makes me enjoy what I do so much more because for me, it has never been about the money. Yeah, exactly. And I was literally driving in the car then thinking literally about that conversation on that thread of how it is pretty much directly correlated. And and I, like I say, I've definitely been there where I've been like, driving myself into a bit of a hole worrying about like either the financials or the growth or the scaling and there does become a point as well where it actually tips the other way and takes away from you as a coach and your ability to actually show up for doing your job as well so there's definitely that element of like you know okay where are you thinking about lead gen and things like that but you are first and foremost a coach like you that is your job so like if you're getting to a point where you're getting so in your head so worked up so worried about it and you're putting your main focus there is that actually tipping the scale the other way and you know something that I personally think is like the way I would frame it is, you know, the best business card, if you will, is to be a great coach first and foremost. And for me, that's, you know, I've been coaching what five years now and the last 12 months is the only time I've started investing in business support because I invested in my education and being a good coach first, that had to be a prerequisite for then. Okay. And maybe I need some help with just sorting stuff out. Um, Yeah. There's a thing that I'm pretty sure it might've been like James Clear probably um something along the lines of like good marketing only sells once and if you put that in the context of coaching it's like yeah you can spend a ton on Facebook ads and get a copywriter and make it all look amazing if you have a shit product and you don't know how to coach people your clients won't get results and they won't stay and then like you're not going to have like do do, and this is what I was asking myself I was like do I need 
hundreds and hundreds of leads coming in if my retention is really really good and they're not actually dropping off like am I actually measuring myself against the right scale um and actually what's quite nice is like okay organically which I was talking to you about I'm at a place where I'm like okay organically just letting people come in now and you know as people move on and I'll replace them and you know there's always that kind of relationship but the hard push is kind of irrelevant because I don't have these clients dropping off after eight or 12 weeks like they stick around and not because they are reliant on me, but because they'll be like, okay, cool. I've reached that, but I really like having your support. Let's move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so actually I'd, I'd like you say that that funnel of like, yeah, it's not kind of like the good marketing thing. I can actually help them. So they're not dropping off. So, yeah. And also do you find it so much easier to sell when there's literally no scarcity? Because when you get on a call now with someone or when you're talking to someone, you're like, Oh, actually I do want to work with this person you're one you're choosing to work with them and two if they're like oh no that's too expensive or no I'm not going to sign up it's li- you're literally like I'm like I'm basically on full anyway like it it kind of is like I would love to help you but also there's no scarcity from my standpoint and I really like I've noticed that with AFM that's how I feel because to me it's like a bit of a bonus business I'm like I love doing it it's really enjoyable but I have loads of businesses that do very well that I'm very passionate about. And like, it, yeah, for me, it's like, it is kind of my passion project. So I don't feel the need, like I've never done like a pushy sale. If someone doesn't like, if someone leaves, that's again, that is absolutely fine. I want people to stay because they want to stay. I don't tie people into anything like, yeah. And it, it is much easier to sell, isn't it? It's easier to sell. And I think you've said this before, like they can smell it on a call when you, <laughs> when you need it. Like people are like, oh, I can sense this. Um, but you can actually work with people you want to work with. Like you get on that call and it is literally, I mean, it's a discovery call for me anyway. Like I don't, it's not a sales script. It's like, okay, let's get to know this person, see if I can help them. But genuinely at the end of the call, if I'm like, either I don't want to work with that person or I don't think I'm the right coach for them I can be like look honestly I I'm going to recommend you to this person I think they'd be a better fit or whatever it is that you can work with quality leads like you can actually work with people you know you can help and I've done that before or I've had people on calls and been like I can't support you like I'm, I'm going to send you someone who can um or whatnot but it puts you in that position where you don't have to be like I have to take everything that comes because of that scarcity mindset and I think like you were saying about reaching that certain level and have you ever seen that graph that it, I think it uses like the hierarchy of needs but it's like a graph where it re- I think the, the amount was about 80k that like it goes up and up and up in terms of happiness mm. and like how much fulfillment you get from your life and then it levels out after a certain amount because it's like well your basic needs are covered the scarcity is like out the way and then actually anything from that is a bonus so you don't get any more happiness from earning more or like and it's like that as well. Once you reach that point in your business where you're like, I'm good, you can be you can be more selective with these things. And it's yeah. a nice thing because you, you can put your effort into doing great work with your clients rather than worrying about, you know, I need to be getting these leads in. Yeah. I mean, this is how Chloe and I feel. Every time we do a launch, we're like, we absolutely hate this. And then as soon as we start, we're like, great. Now we've got like seven weeks of just coaching people until we need to think about launching again. Yeah. It, is, it is funny that we don't like enjoy that part of it um that graph is really interesting and I think some of it comes from the stress of jobs that tend to earn over about 80,000 a year kind of reducing happiness again but there is actually other data that supports a hypothesis that your happiness actually increases to about half a million 
And then there's not enough data about that to kind of have like accurate reportings. But it is an interesting concept. And I think there is some legitimacy in that, that for sure, like when you're, if you're worried about money, then it takes up a lot of your brain space. And I think it's very hard to be truly happy when you are constantly worried about whether you can pay your bills. But then there does come a point where you're like, you've kind of saturated the benefit of like being comfortable essentially. And then you've th that really is what money does. It buys you back your choices. It buys you back time and your choices. And then you can choose how you want to spend your time, yeah. which, yeah, I think that's the reason like money is important. Yeah. And I think as well, like when we talk about like, like currency and finances, like um, for me, like I, I had a big, I worked since I was 16. Like I was employed from 16. I've had nine to five jobs. I've had shift work. I've been in management jobs. Like, and I've had that stress. And for me, the biggest kind of currency for me, and like you said about kind of that tapering off, it's like, okay, I am in charge of my own diary and I can do my work with my dog sitting next to me and I can go for a walk in the middle of the day. And that is like, you know what? Once my needs are covered, like that, that's an incredible currency for me to have. Like that, you know, that freedom because of the stress that came with management positions and things like that that just offset exactly that kind of the salary balance of it was um but I think you you have to recognize that or you can put yourself in a place of not enough like by the perspective that you have yeah. um but same thing I guess with like yeah the, the jobs that come with it are like an 80k salary but you know if you're self-employed your business changes at that amount because now you've gone from being self-employed to running a business and that's completely different and at that point you might be employing people and there's so many different stresses that come with that as well isn't there so it's yeah it's, I think so much of it like there are certain people who will do better self-employed like it depends what you view as stressful because mm -hmm. some people are like management's really stressful now I don't think it would matter to me what job I had if I knew that I was employed and that I went home and like realistically I know you've got like targets and stuff but like it's not my business like if I'm a manager at Tesco and like I don't know like at the end of the day, it's not it's not my business to run. Whereas that never stops when you're self-employed. However, if you have the mindset of like, I much prefer probably because I'm a bit of a control freak, but I'm like, if I work harder, I'll get more from this. Yeah. And I have more control over it. Whereas if I'm employed, like I have to be somewhere at a certain time. And I think there's just like th that, <laughs> having yeah. to be somewhere at a certain time, I don't like it. No, but and not exactly that. For me, that it's that currency of like, you know what? I can be where I want to be on my clock and do my work on my schedule like that's that's yeah. a really nice place to be and like same with management in the sense of like yeah I could absolutely kill myself I'm going to take home the same salary um exactly that you know that nine times out of ten were obviously the scale tips at some point but the more work you do yeah the more you get out of it and actually that's a really nice place to be um mm -hmm. but yeah just making sure that's working for you in the way that you perceive as success not what you should be doing yeah on that note what would you say to coaches who kind of feel like whether they have totally acknowledged this or not but like this air of like I would kind of need to sell out to grow a big business things like we've spoken about this but like icky dms or like things that make basically things that make you feel uncomfortable from a marketing perspective or from a sales perspective like sliding into everyone's dms or I guess like and anything that's kind of of that nature yeah to kind of encourage people that, that you don't have to market like that I think about uh, also when we've had this this conversation before like we think about the long game um you know 
the difference between making, you know, a good, say you're launching a product, for example, a good launch that's going to get you a bottom line in the next four weeks, for example, your bottom line is going to look incredible. Or actually in five years time, like where where do you want to be and what coach do you want to be and who do you want to be known as? Like, what do you want to be known for? Because, yeah, you can slide into people's DMs, you can do all of these things, but that's going to get you a very quick return. And actually, like, if I think about where I want to be in 10 years time, you know, I want to be known for being authentic. I want to be known for being reliable and trustworthy and um, having integrity and all of these things that actually what might build your business in the next three months that looks great on paper might actually be, be actually be detrimental to those things. So being clear on your business values. And I think for me personally, and this is where previously with with business mentors that I've I, I've been told to do it, but I've never done it because I've been like, that doesn't, and I think this is something we said to a coach, wasn't it? In a conversation that if it's sitting, not sitting right with you, it's not sitting right with you for a reason that like you know if that sits right with you or it jars you. So if it jars you, it's probably incongruent with your values, your business values. For me to start DMing people with the type of work that I do, is it just wouldn't be congruent at all if I'm trying to buy their trust, if they're trying to open up to me, but and I'm pushing pain points or I'm, you know, forcing them to sign up. Like that I'm just not going to get that level of trust and connection. I, I want to be respected and I want to respect other people as well. That there's it's a two-way street um and actually if I think about what's allowed me to get to this point now where I'm sitting nicely continuously not just for this big push to take in loads of money that is integrity and Mm -hmm. that is you know I think we spoke about I spoke about it this week on AFM on um on a post but knowing that actually the work that you do now doesn't have to get instant return so you know the quality of those leads that are building up over time not just when you DM them and they are hot lead and actually they've dropped off now. So get rid of them. And then that, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. And if you, if it's not sitting right with you, it's probably not sitting right for a reason. Um, yeah. But think about the difference between what's going to happen over the next 12 weeks and the next 12 months to three years. And it's like you would with a client, right? You wouldn't be like, just think about this next 12 weeks. Like you think about where do you want to be in five years time? Do you want to have like been the same place, but you know what? You lost a stone in this 12 weeks, but same place down the line relationship with food or yeah. in the coaching context like your reputation which i think is is kind of what we're getting the crux yeah, reputation yeah i couldn't think of the you word can't, you can't um sell or you can't buy reputation but i guess you can sell it i used to say this i think i said this ages ago and it was like integrity is the herbalife you remember when herbalife used to give like free cars away it yeah. would be like people would have like wrapped bmws that were like all herbalife up and i was like that's the cost of integrity as a personal trainer is not driving around in a in a like BMW that you've been given by an MLM scheme because any of us could have done that and it's very hard to come back from something like that and obviously if you have you're either purposely scamming people or you don't have enough knowledge to know that you're not scamming people and like both of those I can't in my head I kind of have this debate sometimes of like which is worse and I'm like oh it's definitely the knowing that you're scamming people and then I'm like but really should we have people that have such little knowledge giving out advice like that's also equally bad it's yeah it's it's a tough one we can have this conversation with like this type of coaching or with generally coaching can't you like you look at some practices and go like do they know that they're doing that or not and like exactly like what chicken or the egg like what's the like what's the worst thing but same with like you know 
how many times have you been asked to promote a product to your clients? You know, these little sellout things that are going to make you a bit of money, whether it is that kind of like blanket DMing or selling out and yeah, this is the best protein, but then now this month is the next best protein. Like all these things that are going to over time chip away at your integrity, chip away at your trust. And I think it comes with maturity as well. Like as you mature through the fitness industry and you know, I, I have been that girl that's been doing bum selfies and like all this because I used to compete and that kind of came hand in hand with it. And my business was attached to my body. But as I've kind of matured through that and come away from that, that's been left behind with it as well, because it comes with that integrity. And like you say, once you've kind of chipped away at that from sliding into people's DMs, being known as that coach that slides into people's DMs and the fitness industry is a small place. Like, you know, I've got clients that will be like, oh, my God, do you know, such and such. Like she's been trying to poach me like people talk (laughs) you're going to be known as that coach and I think once you've done that it's hard to come back from it um do you think sometimes as well like in regards to I don't know maybe getting a discount code for supplements or like even something harmless like here's my Gymshark discount code or something like that that sometimes it comes from insecurity as a coach because it's in a way it's easier to sell Herbalife than it is to back yourself and back your own business and believe that you're good enough to create a service that's going to help people. And sometimes I do think there's an element of like insecurity around that and that like, oh, I'd rather give this discount code to this clothing brand than actually try it myself and make my own clothing brand because that's what I've always really wanted to do. It's like seeking validation from that, isn't it? And I think there was definitely a time and probably it still exists now like people seeking that validation that kind of like if you go onto someone's Instagram bio and they say they're a coach and they're sponsored by someone and like that that is validation that they are a good coach but like people still genuinely think that that is like their blue tick almost of like you know that that makes me valid to be doing the xyz but you know actually like you say when you take that away what what is the substance of your service like what are you doing like why are you hiding behind the brand or the name or you know well they're sponsored by this so they must be a good coach um and you probably find that some of the best coaches not and I think it, you, it was you that put that thing today wasn't it about differentiating between an influencer and a coach and the best coaches probably aren't hiding behind brands and discount codes and things like that so it's being able I guess to make sure that you're clearing if you want to be an influencer or you want to be a coach and then being confident with your messaging and what you can provide not being having to be tight yeah because you know it comes with restraints as well doesn't it if you're if you're being sponsored by somebody or you're promoting a product there'll be restraints on what you're allowed to do allowed to say how you need to show up is that what you want for your product and your business as well yeah yeah actually I wanted to ask you a little bit about that post so I did a post today that was kind of related to like body image stuff of and this is something that I feel like you'll probably have even more experience of working with so many competitors a lot of competitors are also personal trainers but also have certainly a heightened uh chance of lower body image purely because of how much emphasis they're putting on their body not just from competing but also from personal training and a lot of people think that you need to look a certain way or that people are only working with them because they look a certain way and that that's actually really fundamental to their business and this can cause really poor body image because you're putting so much pressure on yourself to look a certain way and probably not giving yourself enough credit for actually the amazing work that you do 
that doesn't require you to have a six pack or go to the gym every day or anything like that. And actually it's the service that you're delivering your clients. Anyway, my point was that a lot of personal trainers, myself included previously, have made their business too much about them as in like, uh, like basically it's coaching with them or like their whole social media is about them. And they think that people want to come because of who they are. Now, what takes a lot of pressure off you, and I think provides a much better coaching service as well, is remembering that like the client is the main character. You are just the coach. So if it was like an athlete example, like the athlete is the person who's on like the front cover of the magazines and stuff when they win the Olympic gold, like it's not the coach. Like yeah. the coach is important for sure, but like you're it like you're on their team to support them. And I think too much of the time it's like, I don't know, team, it might be like team ESG instead of like it should be like team whatever the, the client is, and I'm joining your team to get you results. Not only is that better for the client, but it also takes a shit ton of pressure off me. Like I think I really noticed this when I had the really bad back injury where I was like, I can't exercise. I've put on a ton of weight, like, and, and actually I'm in, in pain a lot of the time, but it doesn't really matter because I don't need to be doing this stuff for my coaches to get a benefit from, uh, sorry, for my clients to get a benefit from that. I just need to be supporting them and giving them the right advice. And yeah, I think if, if that had happened earlier in my career, it probably would have impacted me more. Cause I think at that point I probably put so much pressure on myself to kind of look a certain way, be a certain way, act in a certain way. And I wondered what you'd experienced, because I know a lot of your clients are both personal trainers, ex-competitors or current competitors, and probably have all of that mixed up in it as well. Yeah, I think it can be a really dangerous place to be. And the same as you, I've definitely been there where I've tied myself to the business. But, but again, if I look back, it always felt icky. It always felt incongruent, but I didn't understand why at the time. I was like, mm, don't really like this, but that's what everyone's doing. So let's go. Um, I I very, very rarely will use the phrase my team. I, I don't use the phrase my team because it's not my team. They're all individuals and we're not in school. They're all adults. You know, like it's yeah. like join my team. I just think that again is a maturity thing. Um, and again, I'm trying to come away from using my handle in coaching to call in my, all of my coaching, just align mind and body because it's not about me and I think you know we saw this big influence of people using like tags like trained by ESG coached by like like it's not about you like it's it's about them um so I think that's really important for for the client end um because it should never be about like look at me I'm coaching with this person it's like okay what what are you doing because I'm not I don't care like I'm caring about you like you know and that also puts it on their toes as well it puts the um accountability back to the client because I think sometimes when you do have that kind of like coached by did it they think they're just going to hand you over money and it's like well, I'm being coached by them now so it's great so it keeps them accountable because it puts the focus on them um but also you say from a body image perspective like it, it's just such a dangerous place to be to tie your business to your body image and this is something Danny and I work through with people talking about um re-establishing your identity when you finish competing um is part of that is really getting to the nitty-gritty of everything that's great about you that isn't your body and you know specifically with coaching that if you're saying to yourself that when I'm in shape that this is why people want to work with me like what are you going to do when you know you do go through something that's really really hard and your body does change like if you can't even accept that yourself and that's now going to affect your business like it's going to be cataclysmic in all areas of your life but also 
how are you going to support clients to accept um to accept their fluctuating bodies when things change in their life as well like it's a very much a learned skill as well um and i see this a lot i think from the bodybuilding industry computing industry people be like you know clients should be practicing sorry, coaches should be practicing what they preach and it's like in their values yeah but the, what I need clients to understand is that what I'm doing with my week, day, whatever, does not matter because they are a different human being. And that's exactly, you know, you, you say you'll be the same, that I've got clients that are focused on a million different goals and things. Like, they're not all doing the same thing and they're all different people. So why would what I need be what they need as well? Um, and I think that's really important. But, yeah, I think... If you are, and again, we talk about this a lot in the sense of competing, that people get into competing or photo shoots or whatever because they then think that they get lean and this will be great for my business. This will be so good for my business. If I look shredded and I put this picture out of me with these abs, people are going to flock to want to train with me. But it's like, actually think about that. Think about the consequences on you as a coach for doing that. Is you're saying that train with me because I'm, I'm in great shape. And you're so much more than your body. Like you're actually doing yourself a massive disservice as a coach. And particularly if you're a woman and we talk about, you know, society and, put uh, you know, the body expectations of women and women being reduced and objectified for their bodies. Like you, you're allowed to take up space as a great coach without having to use your body to promote it. Um, and I think when you actually find that place where you actually go, you know, actually, I do have some stuff to say and I can take up space with what I know as a coach and the way I can impact people. You have so much more impact on the industry than just train with me because I've got abs because things are going to change. And actually, I've been through that where I've been able to be like, you know what, I'm going to let my body go through what it needs to go through. I've had times where I've fallen out of love with training and I've been dragging myself to the gym, but it's not affected my business or my clients because mentally they're completely separate mm -hmm. um whereas there was once upon a time in my life where I'd be like how can I call myself a coach because my abs are gone yeah and oh, I, I love that point that like mentally those are separate like this is my training this is my business my coaching my, like what I do um yeah I think so an interesting chat that I had with Emil once was about he was talking about like different masks that people wear essentially but this would be like in relation I guess to like identities that people have so he was talking about like what would you or how would you be if you went to a party but you couldn't mention like what you do or who you are like what's actually left without these identities that you put on and then he was kind of like talking through it as and saying that like actually sometimes you have to lose those certain aspects in order to see who you are without them. And I actually think that at the time I probably wouldn't have said this, but like before I hurt my back and put on a ton of weight, like I think I would say the right things, but I don't know if I fully believe them. I'd be like, yeah, I don't really attach my body to my business. Like I don't feel any pressure to stay in shape anymore, blah, blah, blah. But I actually had to get really out of shape to prove that to myself that then I could get back into, well, it didn't even really matter about the shape. It was more just like, oh look my business hasn't changed at all even though I put on 30 pounds like it, it isn't they are those two things aren't actually connected now as much as I logically knew that I think I had to live it to like fully like encompass that yeah and why people value you 
And I think that that that's not just on a business level, but like just mentally, when you go through something like that, for me, it was coming out of competing. And I literally went through this space of like, wow, I'm just known as the one in our friendship group that trains, the one that competes, the one that always, you know, is confident when she goes out. But I wasn't because I was always hyper focused on what I look like, because that's what I did. And who am I? Like I had this massive kind of identity crisis of like, I don't know who I am or what I stand for, but actually that's the best thing I ever did was to just go through that process of like, and to be fair, it was the space of me stopping competing in 2019 and doing the IQ in 2020. And that, um, wow. but being able to pick, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. And as I was kind of going, yeah, those bits I was going, yeah, I know that, but I don't feel confident saying it or I, you know, or I didn't know that. And I'm going to now take that on. And being able to just find out who you are again. And me and Danny always say this is like how you frame it. You, you can make it this big, oh, this is awful. Or you can go, right, this is really exciting. I'm going to actually really delve into who I am and what I stand for and having a meaningful message. Um, but it's exactly the same as you. I'd be like, no, I don't feel like I need to stay in shape because I enjoy exercise and I love training five times a week and I'm never going to be out of shape. So that's not a problem I need to worry about. Um, until well, it interestingly, was. and it seems like you've kind of come around to that as well. Like even when you do get out of shape and you do like take the like okay I guess all the pressure off training five times a week then you kind of actually realize oh I do like training five times a week when I'm choosing to like there's the difference between like feeling like I have to do that to for my business to be successful and oh actually now I'm taking all the pressure off I'm actually just choosing to do that see that all the time with clients who are like it's the difference between like I have to do this versus I get to do this and sometimes the switch there is taking the pressure off yeah. and realizing actually I put all this pressure on but most of these behaviors that I'm putting pressure on to do I actually quite enjoy doing anyway and if I just took the pressure off I'd enjoy them much more yeah and did you find that I personally found that I was so much more relatable to clients when I had been through that because I don't care what you say the majority of us come into competing competing sorry PT in or coaching because we love fitness and you're like, oh, I love this. I'd love this to be my job. And then there's almost like this barrier there with people that actually find exercise challenging and actually find nutrition challenging, where it's like, you they, you won't ever be able to really relate to them on a level because you, you really love it. And you are going to go and research about carbohydrates and this, that, and the other, because that's your thing. So for me, actually coming out of competing and being like, okay, I've this has made me fall out of love with exercise a little bit here and I just need to find out what I'm doing. The times where I've had to go, do you know, I need to drag myself to the gym to keep myself healthy. I really need to make an effort here to not sit and eat the giant bag of buttons because it's hard for me to do that or not do that right now. That has just made me so much more relatable to my clients and being able to sit on a call and being like, I, I feel you and I, I understand it now, not just like, yeah, yeah, I understand it. Mm. Like that that's actually made me such much so much more of a compassionate coach and so much better at my job um which yeah. is initially you wouldn't think right because you think no well people are coming to you for a result so you need to show them that you can get that result you need to show them that you're you know you're in shape and actually people people want support they don't care if you've got abs or not so yeah exactly they want someone who understands who feels who yeah well they want to be heard and they want to be understood and those are two things that I guess it partly comes with experience, doesn't it? And also I would say knowledge. Like I was quite surprised the other day I put up a post that I knew would get like a little bit of backlash. And it was basically saying like being really in shape as a personal trainer who loves exercise and doesn't have like 
any other constraints isn't that impressive. And some people were like, there was one particular comment that was like, um, it requires the exact same determination for anyone to get in shape. And I thought that, I mean, that doesn't have to be something you've experienced yourself. That's just like knowledge. Like we have a ton of science to prove that that's not true, that different people have different hunger cues and that different people will respond differently to overeating and might just habitually move more, meaning they put on less body fat, whereas others will more easily put on body fat because they don't move more when they eat more. Like even just the bare basics, I'm like, the thing is, I was like, that was me as soon as I qualified as a personal trainer. Like I was just like, right. So all I have to do is write people a plan, give it to them. They'll do it. Then they'll get results. Like that was it. And I actually remember my (laughs) mum. Yeah. My mum at the time was like, do you think you're empathetic enough to be a personal trainer? And I was like, what are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. And now I'm like, oh my God, she was completely right. Like now, obviously I would say that I am at the time, like absolutely not. I mean, obviously like I still got results for people, but like, yeah gosh I guess you all everyone has to learn that but it it did it reminded me because I obviously surround myself with like incredible coaches on AFM and on EIQ that I was like oh actually people do still think this stuff and like that message of it isn't as easy for everyone and you know we all are coming from different situations I think people misconstrue that with so a calorie deficit doesn't work for everyone No, no no like the process is the same how hard that process is for different people. I mean, even if you think of this as like at school, like learning to read is the same for everyone, but how you might learn and how quickly you might learn might be different if you're dyslexic or you really struggle with reading or, you know, like other things that might come into play. That doesn't mean that the process is necessarily different. It's just that people experience that differently. Same with fat loss, same with diet. And that's exactly why approach as a coach has got to be so different for the individual right like if you if you're working on a one-to-one basis that you know you're not going to it's not going to be the same thing all the time because everybody experiences the world completely differently and if I think of the most inspiring people that I've worked with and I, I can they come to mind straight away one being a PT client who the only experience of exercise she'd had prior to that and she was in her late 20s was PE at school and she was very overweight she's a doctor and she was like I am struggling to get out of bed in the morning and I need to sort my health out and her getting to that session a week was the hardest part of her week but she showed up every week and I thought even you walking through that door is such a massive challenge and something that I'd never experienced on that level and I just thought you are an incredible person and a a reminder of that every day because I knew what headspace she was in and knew how hard it was for it you know she didn't have much range of motion she couldn't move in the movement patterns you wanted to and it's trusting that it will get better if you just keep showing up like having that amount of faith when you've never been there before and you don't know if it will work like that's that's incredible and if you think of like how many times in our life we're faced with that like that's usually when we'd crumble right from a business perspective just stick with it I promise you it's going to pay off it you usually be like no I'll sack that in but every week she showed up and now she's she's moved on she's powerlifter now which is incredible but she just sticks in my mind as like that's so inspiring and that you know that's because she had so much challenge against her um and I think like interesting is the shit personal trainer like probably me when I first qualified would be like well you know someone like that who doesn't I mean not her because she's shown up but I might be like they're they're just lazy right 
I actually feel sick even thinking about saying that. I don't think I ever would have said that, right? But like, let's say this imaginary shit personal trainer might have thought Blazy lacks willpower. She's a freaking doctor. She's worked her ass off. It's just in a different context, right? And it's not always, like you say, it's not always the same. Maybe she is dealt a bit of a harder genetic card. And that means that she is a bit hungrier and maybe she went through something hard and then put on quite a lot of weight, which again, like once you have a lot of weight, it's harder to lose that weight and hunger signals can be dysregulated to an even higher extent. And exercise is tough when you're in a larger body, like it's not enjoyable, it's hard. And yeah, exactly. It's it's just such a different experience. And I see this now with like, do you you know when the NHS released those injections, the leptin, the ones that triggered leptin, they the amount of personal trainers that were still using that narrative of like no it's just it's just diet and exercise and it's laziness and and it's just such a frustrating thing to and I know that like in years time hopefully they stay in the profession they'll they'll look back on that and be like wow I can't believe I said that but the amount that coaching relies on empathy and that understanding that people are approaching this with a multitude of different experiences of the world and it's it's almost a bit like how, how dare you say say that about somebody but I do think it does come with experience when you realize that you know if people could just stick to a plan they'd have just got one off google and stuck to it like that's yeah actually you know like even a kid you ask a kid how would you lose weight they'd be like oh move more and eat less like it's not it's not normally knowledge that's the problem it's the application of that knowledge that's the hard part for people and yeah I remember that with the injections as well and like I just felt like every personal trainer that had that narrative was just holding up a huge banner being like I don't understand physiology and (laughs) I have no experience like I was like great there's someone not to follow but then I can see how that would be really triggering for someone who is in a larger body and maybe did try these injections or the the drugs and that actually I just see them as leveling the playing field. Like if I took them not having dysregulation in my hunger or more to the point, if you're not overeating for hunger reasons, they won't be beneficial. So, you know, like, it, and same like if you're emotionally eating, they're probably not going to help you because it's not a hunger thing. It's something else that's going on. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, right. To, to wrap up, I would like you to give two to three tips to personal trainers um one of which I'm gonna like I would quite like you to talk about because I think that you're ex- I'm gonna tell you to say <laughs> one of these I'm gonna basically the first one is join AFM obviously no I'm joking though but yeah um no what I was gonna say is more to do with how to sell coaching without the usual narrative which is like body transformations or like fat loss or you'll lose this much in this amount of time and actually how to be a more I guess like well in my opinion like better coach who actually cares about relationship with food and not damaging people's body image and long-term results not just how much you can lose in a short period of time and I know that that marketing is more nuanced and is harder and I know that you've had a lot of experience with that so I just thought that would be my first tip that you should talk about yeah so it would be if I think about this this period of time and what's got me here is don't sell out even when it feels like you really really want to um don't think about what's easy so what's that Dumbledore quote from Harry Potter don't do what's easy do what's hard not what is easy <laughs> <laughs> <Love it. laughs> 
but yeah, like don't just seek the easy option for the easy return. Like really have that visualization of like where do you want to be in five years and what's going to add to, into that or potentially chip away from it. Um, I, like I guess this ties into it starting with your values. Like we talk about this with clients, right? Like knowing their values when they go through fat loss or whatever it is that they're going through, but knowing your business values, like what do you want your business to stand for? And that was the game changer for me, which stopped me from making my service into a 12 week plan and just selling it as you know like everybody else is doing because that's not what I wanted to do and I've been through loads of time points in my career like I started as a PT I opened a studio with three other girls and I actually sold my shares and left a week before opening because I was like this isn't what I actually want to do it's stupid they're doing fantastically well but like people be like why did you leave that but it's like because it's incongruent so knowing what your business values are and making sure obviously that the person that is supporting you if it's to grow your business is in line with that as well, because otherwise you're just going to keep butting heads and you're going to be doing marketing and being pushed to do things that just don't feel right and could actually be detrimental down the line. Um, so that's a ton about you as well, that like when you're offered essentially a cut of a viable business that it's going to do very well, that you've probably already put a lot of work into, like there's a huge sunk cost element there and also a huge potential gain element there that you're still like, no I've got a vision for my future and that's really hard to do that I think that's yeah we because we we were all working out a pure gym we were basically the four female PTs at a pure gym and we started doing boot camp style stuff for women and it really took off and we did it over like six months and we started accruing all this extra money so we thought we're going to go and open a studio for women but then they went down the route of it being like classes and stuff like that and I was a bit like "Mm, I don't I don't really like that idea like that's not me like it's great for them as a business model but yeah like potentially a massive massive opportunity but again to link back to what we first spoke about like knowing what your currency is like you're going to sell out and be like oh I don't really agree with this but it's making good money or you're going to be like okay I'm going to stick with what I know is my vision and it'll all come and good yeah. time um, yeah a lot of those decisions like a lot of the time as business owners we probably don't speak about our quote-unquote failures enough right and that might have on the outside looks like a failure like I've done numerous things that like without being quite crude and talking about money, like I can't really say, but have cost me a lot of money to kind of buy me integrity or like basically stay along a line that I truly believe in. And no one, like, I'm not going to say how much it's cost me, but like it cost me a lot of money to do that. Um, But I wouldn't change it. And actually I don't think certain businesses would be where they are now or would still be going because I just wouldn't love doing them. And like, I would have clashed heads and it would have just dissolved into nothing if I hadn't been like, right, I'm just going to have to do this and bite the bullet and it's going to cost a lot. But like, I think you have to think long-term, like what's the right option here? Yeah. And there is, you know, you can talk about that in all, you know, all aspects of the little things like, you know, I could have sold booty guides 10 times over when I was competing, like all of these things that you go, I could make a lot of money there, but I'm going to choose not to do it. Like these are really underrated moments. You know, we talk about choice point with clients of like one thing's going to take you away or lead you close to your values. Like these are moments in business that you can use that as well. Like, you know, if it's going to take you closer to where you want to be, or it's just going to be a quick cash gain. Um, Same with 10 week transformations. Like, I can keep, I can easily push people into the ground. Am I going to do it? No, I'm not going to do it because that's not incongruent with me. Um, so yeah, like these little opportunities, making sure that you're acting in line with your goals, not just thinking of the quick return. Um, my second thing would be to be constantly tweaking, learning, and evolving. So never, all right, being not feeling like you have to be in like oh smashing sales and all this, but always be evolving your business. Always be thinking how can I tweak that. 
how you know like my checking process has changed however many times since I started coaching because I'm always thinking oh no I need more of this or I need to know this from them or okay now I'm going to make sure that I'm speaking to them on a call each week if they're one-to-one or always be thinking how can I make this service better um and actually it's a great thing to be evolving and not standing still in that sense um yeah and I think just to add on that like especially online given how quickly things move if you're standing still you're not standing still you're going backwards because everyone else is going forward and like you can never be complacent in that like there's always something to improve and keeping doing that and iterating on things and and actually this kind of relates to the question in AFM about like things getting a bit stagnant with clients over like once they've been with you a long period of time change things change the check-in if you've asked the same question to a client for a year because they've been with you a year you need to change that check-in question like you know you need to ask it even if it's the same kind of thing but in a different way to make them think a little bit different because they've answered that question every week for however long those kind of things keep things just like a little bit different as well yeah to keep them freshening it up and knowing that it's okay to evolve as well like you know there's things that I did maybe two or three years ago that I wouldn't do now and like that's okay like it's it's all right to change your mind like you should always be learning you should always be trying to make things better like it's again we talk about sunk costs like it's a sunk cost to be like I'm just going to double down on this thing because that's what I've said all along or that's what I've done all along like again you are moving backwards if you choose to do that like it's okay to change it's okay to evolve um you know I, I saw someone post something about like oh people that go I've smashed the transformations now I'm going to go into food relationships and it's like maybe they just knew that wasn't right for them and they've decided to evolve through it like yeah. it's it's absolutely yeah. maybe yeah I mean that shows this is the thing I think a lot of people think like you've che- when someone says you've changed it's normally like a negative like oh you've changed like as if it's a bad thing it's like no I've grown like of course I'm different than I was two years ago I bloody hope that I, I am like I've learned a ton my coaching service will certainly be different like I've experienced different things I've worked with more clients like if I was the same as I was last year then you know like I don't want to be the same as I was last year so you've changed is like actually normally meant to be a negative but it's a bit of a compliment and it's usually because the person saying it hasn't changed and it's like they're they're like maybe I should have changed yeah. And I guess the same is true with that, like comments like that, like, oh, I used to do this and now they're doing this. And it, yeah, probably a lot of people are. And that's great. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a great thing for the industry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I think about how it's my coaching services evolved, like I've learned something like, you know, I've invested in the IQ and I've tweaked my coaching service. And then, you know, now I'm going to do more psychological based training and I'm going to tweet with that. Like, it's not just choosing something out of the blue, like you're going, OK, so I want to keep niching down learning more about this area and getting better it's not like you're just going ping 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 all over the place there is congruency to it there's forward motion um and then my other thing will be which has been probably a game changer since joining nfm is don't wait to be perfect because perfection is actually procrastination i actually found myself waiting to be perfect but i was actually just procrastinating um and so like my content is like put the camera up say what you need to say Maybe it's been something that's been on a client check-in, on a few client check-ins that week. Make a piece of content, you know, put captions over it, upload it. Don't overthink things. Um, And that goes for everything, you know, whether you're launching a program, tweaking your service, changing direction. Like, it's never going to be perfect. So just keep taking action um, and you'll keep moving forward. Because if you wait for the perfect time, it's it's never going to come and you're just going to keep spinning your wheels. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I think, I mean, like your proof of that with everything that you're building with Danny, like 
you can't wait for it to be perfect because actually to be honest you don't know exactly what it's going to turn into yet and if you never start it'll never turn into anything but you've kind of got to start and be like right this is what we think it's going to be at the moment but that will probably change yeah exactly yeah feedback and improve but a lot of people even like on a smaller scale of like right I'm going to do I don't know an eight-week plan and they're trying to plan out each week and I'm like, you're not going to know. Like, it's good to have some kind of plan going forward, but you can't possibly plan it to the extent that you're trying to plan it because you just simply don't know what your client's going to need at that point in time. And there's no point trying to foresee that. And actually, the, one of the best things about online coaching is you can change things so quickly. If you're like, shit, I did my first check-in and I actually don't actually really like a lot of the questions that I used or there was this thing wrong with it. You can literally change it right then. You yeah. don't have to wait for, you know, this was the difference. I dated a girl for a while who who was into fashion. So she would like make her own clothing or like had a fashion brand. But you'd have to like send away this stuff and then it would come back. And it wouldn't be quite right. So you'd tweak it and you send it away again and you come back. And then that's like a whole launch for like six months or something like that. And I, it was just interesting seeing into her business. Like, wow, you like I love that I can just be like, don't like that anymore, changing it right now yeah. <laughs> as opposed to waiting like whole six months and then going back and forward and back and forward until the design is exactly right and then releasing something again like it's it's cool that it's such a fast process to apply feedback and to improve that yeah. we should be capitalizing on that and like constantly doing it yeah and like you said then about like planning out an eight-week phase and not knowing what's coming that's something that I think if I actually if I think back to when I started coaching I used to think like I should know what they're going to be doing. Like, and actually when I realised, like, you just got to take each week as it comes and deal with what's presented on your plate that week. Um, And I think a big thing for me recently has been closing the book each week and being able to say, this is this week, this is what we're doing. And then addressing it again when it comes back up and not ruminating over things and just take action on them and take them out of your brain because actually that's just mentally going to saturate your brain and that's not good for anyone um but yeah like we said we've got the ability for it to be fast paced so like use that yeah love that that was so so useful thank you so much for your time and there was actually a load of stuff I've written in notes here that we didn't get to touch on so hopefully you can come back at some point and talk about those things yeah 100% I would love to I've got it's been an hour already wow I know doesn't time (laughs) fly when you're having fun um okay have a lovely evening bye